2: Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com, always use your head. Thank you very much to my secret girlfriend Amber for contributing. We have a loaded bandwagon on the show today. We have brought back some long lost guests to the show to help us with the OP project as we do the OP project part six, home stretch time. We got this and comedies, that's all that's left. And we're doing action movies, our top 10 action movies from 2000 to 2009. And I brought back Christopher Platt, everybody. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm a little nervous. The voice of the chair shot. How's your wife and my kid?
3: Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to Major League. (laughs) Welcome to be back. And I'm going to tell you like this, Patrick. If this kid come out looking like fucking uh, Paul Dano... Lucy got some splaining to do. Hey, uh,
2: myself, myself, Paul Dano, and um, Bob Listen, Odencourt We hanging out Thanksgiving. It's work. good times.
1: Best, best case scenario: you and Krema stay together, raise the kid, and Patrick pays for it. So there you go.
2: That's true. Well, you don't. I work for the state. You don't want that kind of money. because <laughs> that, that's, that's no money. Uh, that other voice you are hearing is one PC Tunney, who uh, who. Uh, says he's gonna help me referee because apparently I've introduced a dangerous element to a pre existing mm. element in the form of uh Aesop Mitchell who's been helping us throughout the OT project from the get go. Welcome back to long the show. Rivalry. Yeah, I hear long there's, there, there's completely there, now. DWI
1: to there- the is War to Down the Wire, I mean three man weave. This is long standing rivalry.
4: Okay. Oh, oh yeah, me and, it, me and me are oil and water. You, you yeah, can decide like, which one's the translucent one.
2: You go together like lamb and tuna fish?
4: Oh, here
2: we go.
3: I mean, it's hard to tell. If we be being odd, it's like I'm barely tanner <laughs> the tissue. <fish>, but... <laughs> <You know.
5: laughs> I yeah, know. I've, been,
3: I've been catching uh,
4: rays from the uh, nice Wisconsin sun. Yeah, it's definitely making me a little bit darker. But yeah, you right. got you got the bonuses because you're wearing the black shirt right now, so.
2: Well, I mean, you are a whiter some. shade of pale. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we don't we I so Greg DeMarco. Let's just put his name out there. He's been threatening me, y'all.
1: Who is that? I who is Greg DeMarco?
2: He's alleged. He's allegedly, he's allegedly the guy in charge. I say he's been. I feel. Art I feel threatened. I feel attacked because like, he's talking to the me about. about him
1: a promoter. He's a promoter.
2: He is. Greg DeMarco is a promoter. He'll he'll tell you himself. I I just um. Apparently, there might be changes on the horizon that could result in limiting the bandwagon's creative freedom, gentlemen.
1: I'm responsible. would have me? Oh, I don't, it's don't know your why fault, you would Tony. have me on if that's the case. <laughs> it is my fault. It is my fault.
2: Why are you doing that to me, Tony? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh,
1: is an indirect result of trying to broaden our horizons.
2: Well, son of a bitch! Now we can't I mean, talk if for you, seven hours.
1: If you'd like to, I could tell you on air right now, we can nah, just nah. end the video portion of the program at two hours and continue the rest on Ooh. ChairShot Radio Network audibly.
2: You mean we're going to see Aesop Mitchell's rippling biceps live and in color? And by, by rippling, I mean wet noodle biceps? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep.
3: About right. This is like, going to be like against a weird wall? Wall? situation. Stick? Looking like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> oh, very nice. All right. I'll so here's you. what we... Just so you know, I'm going to pull this
4: uh, tank top down nice and low oh, for you. Oh, shit. Oh, now we God. got nudity. Now it's, we got nudity, man. We got to edit that shit
5: out.
2: Big Nerds <laughs> After Dark. Here's what we're covering today. We have a brief visit to the trailer park before we go into the op project to talk about our top 10 action flicks of the first decade in the 2000s. I'm very excited about this. Platt had a lot of questions at the Zero Hour yesterday. I was a little worried about him, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. No Dave this week, as David decided that Mickey Mouse, once again, is more important than Bandwagon Nerds. And so for that, David, you get this. Yes. Yes. Seriously, Ooh. what are you doing? Still look. I still love you, Dave. It's it's fine. Uh, and because there's no David Ungar, you get no extra sound outside of the sounds that I play. So we're gonna go to the trailer park. But do you do you have banjo music to play for the trailer park? Now see so your way no, off. No, I, it's fine. I don't. So we're just. And near, 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 near. You.
3: See, look, we're helping. See? Well so
4: he
1: could have
3: done it, it together then. And went into the whole thing. Uh, I know, thought this well, what we were doing. I didn't realize Sop was going to stop. <laughs> anyway, so we'll just
2: imagine that that was our entrance into the trailer park. And God help us all. I should have just done a commercial break instead. That just would have been much easier on my psyche. This is going to be a show and a half. I can all you still can. tell. I could... But I still already I already have two commercial breaks. I gotta figure, I actually gotta put the recordings up this time. Like I gotta try this week, fellas. And that's that's a little that's a little nerve wracking. Thus the scotch. Thus yes, this is the bottom of my American oak cask Belvini twelve year scotch. It's because it's Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday that's is perfect. a drinking holiday for myself, and, and the scotch will be a flowing. But we're in the trailer park. I got three trailers for us to cover today. One that Ray Cash sent us, um, as Ray is always with us in spirit, if not on the show anymore. Um, hopefully, you come back someday soon for a guest spot. Figure out your shit. We miss you, um, and I know it's it's all work related at this point. So I I just I don't have anybody to boo anymore. But he uh, did share a trailer of a, a film that's going to be releasing on the 17th, starring Rosario Dawson, called DMZ which stands for demilitarized zone. Uh, looks like it takes place in a not too distant future. Some sort of war has broken out as she was evacuating with her son. And I'm presuming her husband, they get separated. She goes back into a demilitarized zone to find her son. Christopher Platt has raised his finger. Is Do you have better information than I do?
3: So it's, it's February. You said the not so distant future. This takes place in February.
2: Like, it was dropped in February?
3: Okay, cool. No, I'm... No, no, I'm... Mind. Just I, keep talking. No, no,
2: I get... I, I, <laughs> I've been drinking. Like, thanks. if your joke th- sucks, th- it sucks. Th- like, I mean, it's okay.
3: Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah. you. Keep Nobody going. You. Nobody likes you. I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't right. get it. <laughs> Whatever. Patrick, you have words to say. Please say them.
2: This awkward song is brought it. to you by Bandwagon Nerds. Here <laughs> on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of ChairShot.com. Anyway... So I love myself. Chris. I love myself a good dystopian future uh, film. I, I have little faith in direct and Netflix movies. It's it's become the direct to video shelf at Blockbuster uh, on a lot of levels, even when there are big time casts. So I don't have a lot of thoughts about this trailer. Aesop, you look like you're about to say something. What do you? What did you see? Did you watch? Well,
4: trailer? well, first of all, it's actually going to be a TV mini series, so I don't know how much that might sway. Uh, your opinions on it, you know what I mean? I, I personally like it less because of that. I have been a I little bit it's a, it's a streaming miniseries.
1: not TV. It's going to be on HBO Max.
4: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I even is, got, to, see, a, I even got the network
2: wrong. Like I mean, really, I r-
1: really, you're going to correct me on no, that? Oh, but if you
2: watch HBO, but if you
1: watch HBO on Direct TV on your television, that's HBO. What does that? What does that
3: say? What does that say? DMX.
1: Yeah, so (gasps) that's the category
4: of it, but it's on streaming. Oh, my God, shut up. (laughs) So
2: what are your thoughts on the damn show, folks? (laughs) I
4: I, I like Ava DuVernay. I I like her, Uh, and if she can do uh, work uh, equivalent to uh, her previous stuff, I will definitely enjoy myself. But, uh, again, I am a little bit burnt out on the miniseries thing. I think the Marvel miniseries over the past uh, year was not very solid, in my opinion. And uh, obviously, we already know Patrick's feelings on Book of Boba Fett and uh, you know Mandalorian as well. So, uh, you know, this is, this is something that I just got to wait for. I, I, I can't really have a feeling towards it until I get a chance to dive into the story a little bit.
2: I mean, to be fair, I just don't like the Book of Mando Fett. Like I liked the I liked the Mandalorian, uh, I liked the idea of the book of Boba Fett, and then the show came out and it was shit. Uh, it I'm, did Zack Snyder direct it? Was that what happened? <laughs> I don't even know. Pop. As I as I as I hit all of the hits. Um, this, yeah, it's just. It's, I do think this is a real uh, a legitimate question. And it's funny because we're talking about streaming series and we're about to talk about two more trailers about two other streaming series. That we're probably more interested in, but has a shark been jumped with streaming content, or is this just, is this just the boat we're in now? Like, is this just what it is? Like, what's, I I don't know. Like, it it, it feels like even I, I'm like, there's too much content.
3: The answer is yes. Yes, the shark has been jumped, but this is our new normal at this point in time.
1: That's the answer the second part of it, right? It's not different people producing different things, it's just a different way to consume it. That's all it is. There's movies and there's TV series like Aesop said, right? It's it
4: and it's streaming or it's not. And right now if you're not streaming, you're probably not hot. Well, except everything is streaming. I mean really what isn't streaming outside of live sports and the news? Everything well, is streaming.
2: And what's interesting is he even shows that quote unquote originate on a channel you like they there's now this new incentivization within tv stations to stream it first for example walking dead you can watch walking dead two days before it hits regular television
1: to me what's not streaming is movies that hit theaters first uh television shows that hit live airwaves first just to specify
2: which is interesting that more sitcoms haven't gone the way of streaming Honestly, like that seems to have been the niche on television, like everything else you can stream like right away sitcoms. You got to wait.
3: Yeah. But how many sitcoms are quote unquote sitcoms are there actually like, is that a I mean, some of them work, but most of them don't like I, I I almost feel like that's kind of Uh, how many medium in itself. How many sitcoms
4: are there? How many sitcoms are there that aren't associated with blackish as well? Because that seems to be the only uh, <laughs> like it's, sitcoms on TV anymore. Actually, that's not
2: even a, like, it's okay, funny, here. but it's not. Yeah, go ahead, Tony.
4: What's not
1: streaming? WWE main roster.
2: Yeah, fair. What are you
1: talking about? Streaming on the cock. Yeah, if you want to wait five weeks.
2: That's true. He's talking about that raw. I mean, it's on television. It's on Hulu. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: you can also watch it on yeah. Hulu. Yeah, but you have to wait it. days, yes. and it's not the whole show. That, and that contract's
4: coming up, and is going to depend depending on what level plan have. So now that this has turned into have, a
2: wrestling show, um, basically the point here is we, it, it just it kind of is our it is our normal. Let's talk about another streaming series since that's what we well, got on. Wait. the uh, uh, what? I
3: wait. I apologize, man. Before we get to that, man, I, I had some a question that I wanted to oh, ask sure. you Go guys because number one. I'm I'm gonna check it out because I absolutely love Rosario Dawson as an actress, but if you she makes very interesting choices as an actress, you know what I mean. Like if you go to her IMDb page, it's all over the place, and I I kind of wanted to get you guys thoughts on this because I feel like she kind of got hamstrung a little bit because as opposed to a Jennifer Lopez or a, a, a Zelma Hayek or even a Ava Mendez, I think she has kind of more of a quote unquote urban slant to her which you know up until recently that wasn't really what Hollywood was looking for you know what I mean plus don't get me wrong she's a very beautiful woman but I don't think that she exudes sexuality like the other women that I named and I- I'm just wondering you know what do y'all think about her career because I feel like if you ran her career back I, I-, I don't see a reason why she couldn't have had a J.Lo type career you know what I mean
1: She's played grittier characters, that's definitely the portrayal, but wouldn't you want someone to not take away from what a woman is actually doing in this climate, right? Like it's not because of anything but her grit, determination that she's going to end up being the hero and the victor in this movie. It's quite obvious even though it looks like she gets shot, but that's all I really have to add. I won't watch this, by the way.
4: <laughs> she's she's um I guess a lesser version of Halle Berry uh, who had something very similar, you know, those kind of grittier roles at times. And, you know, I don't know, that, I don't, nothing uh, against yeah. Rosario Dawson. Cause I do like her stuff too, but that is just more or less how she kind of comes off.
2: I, yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. I got, I got nothing. I, I loved her. No, like I, I love that she's an eclectic actress. Like that, you can see her in everything from a Kevin Smith film to a musical to a gritty action film. Like, all of those, all of those are true, uh, and it's given her a longevity that some of those other actresses that you've named don't. Like Jennifer Lopez, put out a movie on Peacock that's not was irrelevant from the second it hit trailers. Like nobody cared. It was so.
3: It was it was bad too, and I'm a guy. I love a good rom com, and it it was bad, man. It really yeah, was. I,
2: it does not look good. Um, with do, all due respect. All right, we're gonna shift gears. We're gonna move on to the next trailer because we could talk on this forever. But Tony's just gonna say it was Star Wars, so let's just get it out of the way. But Disney Plus did drop its new its first sort of official trailer. They called it a teaser it was like two plus minutes long for the obi-wan kenobi series uh which is ewan mcgregor abounded um, inquisitor showed up there's mystical music in the background we're in the desert young luke skywalker pretended to drive a speeder ship looking an awful lot like anakin with the goggles and the, and the look. Tony, you're gonna. It's Star Wars, so it's just gonna be great. Like we should just accept that it's gonna be great.
1: I'm gonna help you all today. (laughs) He's not gonna push
2: back.
1: No, no, I'm gonna help you all today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and then we can, you can move on from me in this topic. I'm excited for more Star Wars, and I actually, Ian McGregor as as Obi is, is one of my favorite. Character and roles in the whole Star Wars thing, so I'm excited for more of it.
2: Hey, Sal Mitchell.
4: Obi Wan and Ewan McGregor are the bomb, dude. This is like my favorite character in Star Wars. Is specifically Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan. Um, I, I again, I the only if I had to bitch about one thing, I wish the series was just called Kenobi or Obi Wan. I don't need the whole goddamn name, but that's just me. Like. <laughs> That's a, I'm going to give a little bit yeah. of whiny whininess but that's about it I am ready yep. for it I'm ready to see I know like uh, Kumail Najiani is also going to be in it as well who I absolutely love so this is yes. going to be a, a romp hopefully
2: man nobody's letting me put the bear preach. Platt, you got any thoughts on the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer, trailer?
3: I don't care Pat I I really don't. just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't give a shit. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan outside of the initial three movies. I mean, from a revenue standpoint and an entertainment standpoint and a trying to make money standpoint, it's absolutely brilliant because you have a built-in fan base. And now you're just expanding that world. And you know that people are going to tune in because they're invested into this Star Wars universe. But as a standalone show, it kind of goes back to the question that you asked for the previous topic, Patrick. Have we jumped the shark? And yes, yes we have. I don't give a shit. I'm not gonna watch this. I don't care.
2: Okay. So here, here's the thing. I'm I am looking forward to this series. Uh, I was looking honestly, and I was looking forward to this series more than I was looking forward to the book of Boba Fett series. And then as much as you know, like. It, like And I found The Book of Boba Fett to be disappointed beyond even my low expectations, and that's a whole other show. There, the thing that I think is, to me, has been very interesting and very challenging for folks that aren't Star Wars fans outside of, like, the movies, is the use of so much from its animated, extended universe that you've got to explain. And in this one... I don't know how many people I've had to explain what a fucking Inquisitor is. I, that, that, <laughs> like, I've, so many people have seen this trailer and been like, what's up with all these, like, dude, people with red lightsabers, like, running around chasing, chasing Jedi? And I was like, basically, the secret police trying to hunt down the remaining Jedi and, and destroy them. Like, that's their job. And if you ever go back and watch Star Wars Rebels, um, uh, I do believe they get introduced in the Clone Wars, uh, at the in the tail end of the last season. They're 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 compelling characters. They're menacing characters. They're serious Darth Vader by, vibes, but they're basically the secret police of Darth Vader and the Emperor to hunt down Jedi. And it appears by look of this trailer that Obi Wan is simultaneously trying to keep Luke and his secret secret while also at the same time. Remaining hidden from the Inquisitors. As I seem to have run out the, the row. Aesop's changing gear. Platt like walked out. I, I think I upset everyone. Tony's probably getting another beverage. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do. And how they tell that story. Because I thought that the Inquisitor element. Was a very compelling thing from animated series. But if they do. And actually. And now that I think about it it gives them an opportunity to use Cad Bane again because if you look at the timeline, this happens after, after these, these events. So Cad Bane may show up again. I don't know if he is or isn't, Uh, but there's, there's a lot of elements from animated series that, that could come into play here that I think could be very interesting and useful.
1: I'm here with you, Patrick. I think it'd be a great way to use kind of like the, like the what if thing where we almost think something comes to light you know, in, in one of these Marvel movies coming up, like why can't we borrow from what is excellent animated series as far as the star Wars world is concerned.
2: Right. And, and I think it's less of a, what if and is and more of a, this like the question has always is always with like say trilogies or series, what happened in between? How did we get from here to there? And then sometimes is that necessary? Like, do we need, did we need the prequels? I mean, yes, they were wildly popular and made a ton of money. I will argue they're not great films, but a generation loves them. Uh, but, you know, people want to know what happened before Luke learns about Obi-Wan. Like, we don't... Well, like there's, you know, there's 17 years, 16 they? years. They do. do they, this,
4: they is, I mean, this is the the you problem no, with Star Wars. I mean, we, we I think we talked about it last week, even. Yeah, a little bit. Star Wars always has to touch upon the mystery, which I don't mind in this sense because obi-wan is such a strong character um but you know the minute that we start exploring you know stuff that doesn't need uh any sort of explanation you know then it then it starts to derail and star wars kind of collapses in on itself and i think you're looking why.
1: at it the wrong way then why why can't it be why can't you just be making a puzzle why can't you have just got the most important pieces first because and then you got to build out inside it, build into it,
3: that's,
4: because that's how it's
1: almost exactly. That's it's not, not fucking life. It's a
4: goddamn fictional story for fuck's sake. Yeah, but the, sake. the problem is the ones, the That's the why it's all stories. the same
5: fucking thing. It's wrestling. Hey, it's Vince hey, McMahon. Hey, it's Saturday Night exactly. Live. Exactly. It's, all it's the wrestling. Fucking you
4: don't need to know everything in wrestling. Yo, let Mark, me
1: tell you something, brother.
4: Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's I, not about I, that. It's
3: I, They have I, a built-in I, audience with and a capital, fan base that are invested. With a capital invested.
1: fucking M, by the way. With a capital fucking
2: M. Have they have a
3: built-in audience that is invested in this storyline and in this universe, and it's another way to bleed the marks dry, just like yes. professional wrestling. So, Nobody yes. gives a shit. Let, let shout me, out to Carl Sagan, by the way. I got to throw Carl Sagan in R.I.P. <laughs> shout out to Carl shout Sagan. Shout out to Steve Allen. Let no, me, no, no, no. Where I'm going is because you could find this clip on where, YouTube. Where, where I think you're going is you're going to let show. them
2: talk. That's what you're going to do. Uh <laughs> So here's my thing about Star Wars, and it has been my argument about Star Wars forever. The reason why people like The Mandalorian so much is because the Skywalkers it's aren't really involved in The Mandalorian. Skywalker suck. Well, here's the thing: is I really do believe Star Wars has a Skywalker problem. Like that's and it's it's what? Oh, you getting texts? Yeah, you know, sorry. Shout no, no, text weird. messaging now. No, um, was, I was gonna say Star Wars
1: has a Skywalker problem, like WWE has a John Cena and The Rock problem.
3: No, I, I, no I it's not the same. Non George Lucas problem. What, because no, the no, because George that Lucas, Lucas wouldn't have Zeld with they, they've they've been George, mid.
2: George George Lucas fucked up his legacy with going back and tinkering with his original trilogy. And adding shit that didn't need to be added. And I'm sorry, I get that people love the original trilogy, but those prequels are not good films. And and I know it's my opinion. The thing is, is You're that right. the, the whole Star Wars right, universe. Yeah. And, and this is the other thing is you could have ended the Skywalker saga at Return of the Jedi and with these next and with those next three films gone anywhere else. But The people that are writing these stories feel like they have to stick with this Skywalker family and this lineage, even with Rey, who adopts the name Skywalker at the end of the show. And when you look at everything that is connected to Star Wars, and part of the reason why I would argue Rebels is so good, is that it is a universe that's built within the framework that was created by Lucas... But not with these characters as this central plot point. You never see Luke Skywalker in Star Wars Rebels. You occasionally see R two D two. You occasionally see C three PO. You once or twice run into. Well, and it's because R two D two is the most powerful character in the Star Wars universe, so you have to have him in there. But you, you just you, you don't need that one element to tell a good star Wars story, because there is a framework that is there and a universe that exists that can include the force can include bounty hunters can include everything else. And that's why Mando works so well. It's it's the the reason why rogue one
4: works so well. Rogue one is such a strong story. It's my favorite star Wars movie. And I didn't think anything was going to top, uh, you know, part of the original trilogy. Rogue One is so strong, and the only thing that you get is Darth Vader at the end, right? You get maybe, okay, unless you want to count Mon Mothma, like, fuck her. But really, like, that is it. You get nothing else of Star Wars uh, original lore,
3: right? You you get creepy creepy
2: plastic Prince of Slayer face.
3: You you need Luke Scott. You need a Skywalker presence in this universe because no, Luke Skywalker is the Jesus Christ of this universe. You so it's not. like the Old Testament. Yeah, some shit that happened, and there were floods and shit. But shit don't really get popping in the Bible till the New Testament and Jesus step on the scene. Like that's basically the role that the Skywalkers play in this universe. So you need a Skywalker element in Star Wars, it just is what it is. Whether good or bad, right or wrong, it is what it is. You're wrong.
2: Make I'm sure you not, tune but... into uh,
1: PC and play every Thursday morning on the Cherishout Radio Network.
3: Thank you, but no, going back to a shout out to Carl Sagan, because y- you can find this clip on YouTube. I think he was on the Dick Cavett Show, and Dick Cavett was asking him his thoughts on Star Wars. And this was in the 70s, and he said it's in the future, and it's in space, and it's nothing but white people. So you're telling me it's just all white people? Fuck you, Patrick. I see what you're doing back there. It's just all a bunch of white folks in the, in the future and in this space. Because let me tell y'all something. If y'all think y'all going to space without us, you got another thing coming, Jack. <laughs> we'll we figure only, out a hold way. Hold on.
2: Hold on. Stop. Slow your roll. There's only one black person in space. That's Lando. So you're, you're sorry. Exactly. His,
3: and, and, his, Finn. and Finn, his, who was literally a, a, a slave, maybe an indentured servant. Right. If we want to be kind.
2: Lando's (laughs) ticket was punched, and then he kind of hit on what we think is his daughter, so that was a little weird. Anyway, (laughs) let's transition into our last trailer as we're about 30 minutes into this off-the-rails edition of The Bandwagon. The Boys. Season 3 trailer has dropped. Mm. June is going to be a busy month. We got us us, uh, some blood and guts, exploding heads, we got we got the butcher with some laser eyes and some powers. Can I ask my first question though? Where did like we didn't cover this back when this made the news a, a week or so ago, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who played Homelander,
3: Anthony he, he just, Star. Something. Thank you, thank you.
2: He got in some court in some legal trouble. He's got to go to jail. What's going on there? Does anybody? And I didn't read the whole story, but like what happened?
3: Does anybody know? He. It sounded like he was being homelander. He got drunk and belligerent. Oh, shit. That, that thats what it sounded like to me. Like he was okay. being homelander, basically, right?
5: Living the gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey, so, hey,
1: Flair. Your name's Rich. <laughs> oh man, it's Flur. So, yeah, so
2: how long is what? What was he? He was sitting to what? Like a year in jail or something like that.
3: Like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly he was asking. He sentenced to, like, a year in jail, but it got suspended if he does some community service and pays oh, so a fine and shit says, like that. So he's like not my, actually like going to bad. spend... He's Yeah, he spent, like, two or three days in jail overseas, but he's not going to actually have to do the jail time if he adheres to the, uh, you know, the conditions of the... Uh, the peace sen- if you
2: will.
3: Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But, yeah, it sounded like he went full gimmick. Honestly, he got drunk oh. and belligerent and was homelandering, motherfuckers. All
2: right, well... So that that um, that at least reassures me that if this show keeps going, or like when the show keeps going, he'll still be around. Um, thoughts on the trailer? There was a lot to take in in this trailer. Asop. I mean, clearly first. we
4: got. Oh, Tony, oh, go first. Okay, go ahead, Ace. Jump in there. Oh yeah, dude, J- Jensen Ackles coming in with Soldier Boy. That's the the big piece of it all, right? And right. Uh, I I will admit I do need to watch like the last. I think it's like two episodes of season two because I, I fell off of that and then I kind of uh, forgot to get back on it. And then yeah, I got all my love kind of sparked back for it once uh, Diabolical came out. But um, I- I'm ready for it. I- I've enjoyed the boys. I've enjoyed what Amazon has done with the uh, the series itself. And I think we are going to have a lot more fun, a lot more blood and guts and cursing. What um? What more could you ask for?
2: That is an excellent, excellent point. Tony, I'm sorry. I cut you off. You kind of froze a little bit on my screen, so I couldn't see that you were paying attention. Go ahead.
1: June's going to be great. We got this in Umbrella Academy, so I don't know. that might <laughs> That's going to be the show it's, it's in June. Be, yeah, it's, <laughs>
2: it's like my worst nightmare of, of release dates because you all know how I feel about covering two shows on an episode, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm really, I, I don't know that I can really say enough about how, except what, um, what's up with A-Train? That was one of the things that I noticed, like something different with A-Train looks like, uh, looks like he's
1: a good guy turning super good guy. Maybe,
2: maybe like he's, um, cause he was the one that that cult sort of put their, put themselves behind, uh, at the end of that season, uh, as they dumped, um, oh, fish boy, whatever his name was.
4: Aqualad, the deep, the deep, the deep, they, the deep, the deep, the
2: deep, the deep, the poor. He's like the sad sack. Like they've almost made him a sympathetic figure uh, to this point because of how shitty his life is. Plant, what about you? Um, you all in? You back? You coming with us, all the boys?
3: I'm back. I'm all in. I'm coming with y'all. And yeah, you know, there's a, some other shit happening in June as well that is going to, uh, you know, affect my life forever. But that's neither here oh, nor there. Else? But
2: Here's the thing: is King this is the time Prince to watch him with him in the same shut up, room Tony, this, this is like a chance
3: of Wilson, the this, fourth.
2: This, will be this is the time when you can watch it and not feel guilty about it being in the same room, man. That's all I'm saying.
3: Touche, touche. But let Three me ask
4: you this: Eternity leave. Come on, you got all that time to binge.
3: Boom. damn, touche, touche. <laughs> but uh, do you guys think that um, that HBO Max went to James Gunn and said, "Watch the boys. We want that." And then that's how no, Peacemaker came to be. No,
2: not even close. Because if you go watch Slither, you can see where James Gunn came from. James Gunn was doing this for literally a Decades.
3: decade before Decades.
2: anything like this came on. James D- J- Gunn's James back... Gunn
3: was Slither, you talking about the Sharon Stone movie? That was him?
2: No, no, no. no. That's Slither. Slither is an alien invasion grotesque body humor horror film. Nathan Fillion.
4: uh um was it Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks? Banks
2: uh it, like a a number, in that too. Like so basically sam raimi is horror. his
3: father in the game is what you're telling me kind of yeah like, because this, this, this is sam raimi's lane you know what i mean with the evil deads
2: well yeah it's definitely well, there's definitely an influence there
3: sam raimi is more
4: horror he does it with comedy though james right. gunn loves yeah, james his comedy gunn,
3: body horror stuff and yeah, it's it's perfect so. for him the evil dads weren't funny though they didn't have humorous elements
2: the evil. So here's the funny thing about the Evil Dead, and you can even ask Sam, Sam, Raimi, or Bruce Campbell this. Those first yeah, two ask movies, him. I I have I've actually met Bruce Campbell and like chatted with him. Um, he's a really cool nice. dude, by the way. Extend um, But
3: extended offer to him, and when you get him on here, I want to be on here because I sure, think he's awesome. Sure. When he, when he so ignores please. my
2: phone calls, um, he, he never calls back, guys. I don't know what happened. Um, anyway, they they talk, about, they talk about it a lot. That. Um, Evil Dead, like, the, the Evil Dead was designed to be a straight-up, like, horror film. Like, it really was. Evil Dead 2 was... Well, I don't want to say it was... They, they leaned into what was unintentionally funny in Evil Dead 1 and basically remade Evil Dead with Evil Dead 2 with sort of that comedy horror element, and that is when Sam Raimi grew into sort of the comedy horror elements that he is known for. I There everything builds upon itself Romero influenced Raimi, who clearly had some level of influence on James Gunn like you can just see how the connective tissue works there and yeah I, I think that it's absolutely been part of James Gunn's work uh, I think it's it's influenced the show we're talking about the boys like and it's look and a aesthetic in the way that it approached like the boys there's an argument that that's a horror show Like, just in terms of its grotesqueness and how horrible the people are. So, um, yeah, I'm ready for the boys. I am, yes, I'm begrudgingly acknowledging that in the month of June, we're probably going to be covering two shows simultaneously. It's going to make my head hurt. Uh,
3: But we'll do it. let, Let me say this just real quick, man, because you talk about the boys technically being a horror show. And I can agree on that. But there's so many elements that go into that show. Which was what we're about to get into, which is the crux of this episode. This is why this alt project was so difficult for me because it, you know, the, the things started oh, yeah. to flip somewhere. So it, the, the, the lines it. started to get blurred. So, what is and what is not an action film, the The lines started to get a little blurry in the 2000s because, I mean, we you know, go. the 70s, you right. know, but before the 70s, we had Steve McQueen. John Wayne, yada, 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 black exploitation, whatever, whatever. The 70s, we had Clint Eastwood, fucking uh Charles Bronson, and I'm sure there's some other, uh, Taxi Driver, and there's some others I'm not forgetting, but then in the 80s, it's Schwarzenegger and um and, and Sylvester Stallone. <clears throat> 90s, we kind of get into Bruce Willis, <clears throat> uh, John claude Van All Damme, right. little Steven Seagal, some Wesley Snipes, but then when we get to these 2000s, man, yeah, the lines kind of get blurred as in what is and what is not an action film.
2: So you really should go back and listen to last week's episode of Bandwagon Nerds where Tony yelled at David Ungar and myself <laughs> for putting Gladiator on our drama list and was like, it's an action film! Because um, that, that is a legitimate thing. By the way, anybody else ever notice that when Christopher Platt says real quick, it's never real quick? Like, it's, just, it's just never real quick. <laughs>
3: yeah. that, 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 that's the preacher shit. Like When the preacher goes, I'm not going to be in front of you very long and then he proceeds to talk 45 minutes but it takes all bands yeah that's that preacher man shit. Yeah. Right, right.
1: No, I have you ever heard of thanks Chris Carl, Carl Sagan, Sagan uh, <laughs> pro wrestling pigeon billions, billions
2: real quick real quick um no but you you are right <laughs> I do think that um things things have kind of I don't know that things never were, were ever clear-cut like there's always an argument like if you go back and look through the history of film like what's the Godfather is the Godfather a drama is it you know is it a I don't know. Like, there's all kinds of things. There's... Yes. There's... there's... But... Yes. Does it also has action. It also has murder. Like, I don't know.
4: Is Star um, Wars a romance? Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, it's, we, so, Luke, Luke and Leia. Leia that's... We, we're getting a
1: Luke. Are you trying to, like, lose more time here? You can't ask that kind of question in this audience. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, anyway. The, the point is valid. The Boys Season 3 comes out in June. We're going to be talking about it and the Umbrella Academy. Come June... Thank God I'm on vacation for at least two of those weeks and don't have to, to endure whoever fills in for me and poor Dave when he runs that show. We're going to take our first real commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to kick off The Odd Project Part 6 with our action films. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
1: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's
4: angrylemonade.net.
2: All right, everyone. Welcome back. Gentlemen, real quick. Would you mind uh, indulging me for a second? Because I enjoyed doing this so much last week that I kind of want to play it again. And it has nothing to do with the op project. And you can say yes, you can say no. It doesn't really matter because I'm about to play it anyway. I'm just sitting here. I don't before want anybody you, before, to say shit about me.
3: If we're talking about you want to trim some pat, some fat plat or pat, I mean.
2: <laughs> I'm okay with it. I was thinking about this the other day before we get to the opera, project. This might be my favorite score since Black Panther in terms of like movies. Uh, I just yeah so, so, so well done. And I know Platt was basically the Patrick O'Dowd of reviewing the Batman uh, which, you know, I appreciate somebody out there being like, it was okay, it was fine, because uh, I was I was definitely not in that camp. Um, but going into action films, and this is a movie that was kind of an action film but not, let's talk about The Op Project action films. Platt, you talked about having a tough time making this list. We usually do this before we go into our list.
3: Yeah, this was very difficult Real quick. for me, man. Okay, real quick. This was very difficult for me, man. Like, I I have a movies that didn't make the cut. You could take the movies that did not make my cut and create your own top ten action films of the aughts, and it would be a respected list of action films. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, absolutely. I I think that that's been true for a lot. I think the only list where I haven't had a big honorable mention was sports films. Honestly, like sports films, yeah there's just not there wasn't much there for me. I think I struggled to to find ones that I'm like, yeah, this one's quality, but um my my final like my there's from the big board. I think I had 17 that I pulled off the big board to then try to make decisions on. And a couple of them kind of like what we've done in previous episodes, I'm like, I think somebody else will have this on their list, so I'm going to pull it off of mine so that it doesn't, you know, jack that up. So uh, I do have Dave's list. I will share that at the end of the show. Uh, there's at least one. Plenty. There's at least one selection on his list that uh, I think is a terrible film that I used to love, but now <laughs> in retrospect, I'm like, this movie's awful, and it won't be hard for anybody to figure out which one it is when I go over his list. Uh, Plant. I,
3: I I started out with thirty-five films. I broke it down to twenty, got it down to twelve, and then it went back up to thirteen. Before you know, before I got to the top right. ten, like I I, I, I literally, this was a labor of love, but I put, I tried to put a lot of thought into this, man, and it was, it was a lot more labor intensive than I anticipated it being.
2: Actually, now have you, you have I no idea
3: I, what Patrick and I had to go through this weekend?
2: Yeah, listen to the five by five as we, as we tried to narrow down our five greatest Saturday Night Live sketches of all time, and the number of shout-outs we gave to, to sketches we left off because it's just so difficult like
4: was the Falconer on that
2: no well <laughs> what up and with that, the thing, Another that one. Make the list? like listen one? you
1: could sit here for five hours right. about okay. uh, yeah. the ones that didn't that's make it like, i mean and that's the part we saturday
3: night live so listen right.
2: so mad anyway. mad
3: tv sketches are next
2: all right we're, uh, whatever
3: down by the river in a van down by the river we, we, we
2: we've talked about chris farley at length uh church lady church lady, dana we, carvey, up, lady. we talked about dana carvey like it's it, you can do this all day uh i'll even say this this will this will upset folks i'm sure i left eddie murphy off my list of top fives and there's so many things you could have put on eddie Mur- with, with eddie murphy that you can do but that has nothing to do with action films from 2000 <laughs> to 2009 which is where we're going to go next um plant i i honest to god can't remember have you ever sat in and done a project with us like have you done this? Yes. So you know the. You know yes. Yeah. So like,
3: I, I I know how it goes. Yes. If you want to right. explain this to the audience again, but I'm, yeah, I'm familiar. Will. Yeah. I so know how it goes. I
2: have, so the order this week, I, I um subbed you in. You're going to be second. So it'll go myself, you, Tony, then Asop. That'll be the order. We do it rotisserie style. So when we get to Asop, he'll go twice before we bounce it back down the list. Uh, if somebody hears a selection that's higher on their list, they raise their hand so that we can see it in the camera. We cover that as one selection at its highest point in whoever's list it is, and yeah, we'll uh, that that's what we're gonna do. And I'm gonna dive right in with my number ten and see. Uh, this this project has been, I think, the most times I've had people raise their hands on me than, than any other project I've ever done. And it's probably Aesop's fault more than anybody. It's like we have some similar tastes. I love it. My number ten is the Zack Snyder flick, uh, which is probably a surprise to you all. It's also a controversial Zack Snyder flick because some people love it, other people hate it. I absolutely love it. It's the only Zack Snyder film that I can say I unequivocally (laughs) like and forgive that other people hate. It's very polarizing. And that's 2009's The Watchmen. Uh, I actually... And even then, I was hard-pressed to put it as an action film because there's a lot of exposition between... Zack Snyder slow-motion action bits, yet it's still decidedly, like, tons of action within this film, even though, like, the climax of the movie has next to no action other than Rorschach getting blown up. Um, I love the graphic novel. I strongly encourage people to read the graphic novel. I understand why people are so passionate about it. I think people malign the movie unfairly. I think that, honestly... It's done about as well as you can do to put that movie to film. And I I genuinely enjoyed it and appreciated it. And the things that drive me nuts about Zack Snyder, when he does like frenetic action stuff, like I hate that just about every action sequence he does goes slow motion. Every, all the time. Like that is, he loves that shit. Um, it works in The Watchmen because of the nature of the characters and what they're trying to do. Um hyper-violence, hyper-sexuality, hyper-just everything that works in The Watchmen because that is what the comic was. And, you know, he even, in my opinion, fixed the climax of the alien thing by putting it on Dr. Manhattan instead of aliens. And, yeah, sort of changed what the comic did, but I thought he did it in a good way. And so I actually think it's an underrated work of his. It's my lone, this is a good
4: Zack Snyder movie, The Watchmen. Yes, they, they actually follow the reference, which is always my favorite thing. I love it when you go off of the source material. And like you said, Patrick, the way that they do it, I love the Watchmen. I don't find it to be bad at all. And I think it does get a lot of unnecessary vitriol
3: hate.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Um, any thoughts, That's gentlemen, interesting. before we... Yep. No, it, my my bad, Pat. It's just interesting to me, man, because I'm uh, of all the Zack Snyder films, I'm pretty sure that Three Hundred is going to be on somebody's list here. Um, it's not on mine, just because I had to make a lot of tough cuts. But it, it's interesting that that's the Zack Snyder flick that you that you picked as opposed to Three Hundred.
2: Yeah, and um, it is on it, it's on Dave's list, and as as I mentioned, um, I don't like that movie. All right. Mr. Plant, it's to you for your number 10, sir.
3: So for number 10, I went with The Fast and The Furious. Is that on anybody else's list? Okay, it's on two lists, so we'll keep it moving like an escalator.
2: Right on into Tony and his number 10.
3: My
1: number 10 is the 2003 American adaptation of the 1969 British film, The Italian Job. All right. Keep, yeah. going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, no, directed by F. Gary Gray, Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, Edward Norton, Jason Statham, Seth Green, Most Deaf, Donald Sutherland. Like they put together a squad here for this movie, and there's tons of great driving sequences. Basically, uh, a group of thieves come. It's it's like an Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. You know, if you're not familiar with the Italian Job story, uh but it's really well done tons of great driving sequences is where I was about to go into with smaller cars. Uh, uh, it's interesting, the tight spaces they fit into the acting's nice, but the actions better. And I think ASAP kind of, uh, you know, described how this action list kind of thing should go is that, you know, the action should come first. And if there's acting along with it, that's excellent. That's why you're at the top of the list. But I love this movie. I, I it's a rewatchable movie just because of the the way they shoot the action sequences is is excellent.
2: Yeah, I it, the European style action movie was really big in the early two thousands, and I'm sure that there's going to be others that are on for folks' <laughs> lists higher up. Like I can't imagine that they're not. Um, and it, it really was. There, there's so many that you could really put on there. Italian job is absolutely one that was under consideration that I just didn't have room for, uh, Aesop.
4: Uh, you know, you're talking about lots of great driving. That's because Jason Statham only does films with driving. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Italian job, you got crank and you have my number 10. 10, my number 10 pick, which is the transporter. I love the transporter. I stole this description of the film from a critic years ago, but uh, The Transporter is a pure popcorn flick. Uh, long action sequences that are completely over the top and ridiculous. You smile and laugh as you see Jason Statham using his smoldering charisma to show off the type of action you'd continue to see from him for years to come. This was my first experience of seeing Statham on screen. And it made me love his cheekiness from the very
3: start. I had The Transporter, too. I I wanted to put it on there, and I just couldn't. But I absolutely love this movie, so I'm glad that somebody put it on their list.
2: Aesop, is, are you to Jason Statham the way (sighs) Dave is to Henry Cavill? I think so. He described him as
3: smoldering and cheeky.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, man.
3: Wow! Or, or no, the way, those, or the way I am with Jonathan well, Majors. Margot <laughs> Kenner, what? Oh. The, Margo, way or, the way I am with Jonathan Majors. The way P.C. is to Alan Thicke. Stock, stock, maybe. Yeah. I no.
1: <laughs> no, I think. It's, right. I think it's quite, uh, quite documented on, uh, uh, on social media. Uh, the way I am to Mandy Rose.
2: There you go. Statham is your Henry Cavill. That's been decided. It is. I think I'll some Dyson
4: Statham. Statham. Uh, All right, my number nine. uh, I I, I have a feeling that uh, it's probably going to be higher, but it is The Fast and the Furious. Yep, that's what I figured. Tony.
1: Not much. Not much. My number nine is Transformers.
2: The original with uh, Shia LaBeouf?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was just there's, there's tons of action in that movie and introduces a whole new set of people to the story of Transformers. I mean, the success of the franchise cannot be denied whatsoever. The cast didn't, in, in, you know, have a young Shia LaBeouf, uh, Josh, Josh, De, Josh Duhamel, uh Megan Fox, Tyrese Gibson before he shit all over uh, Dr. Dre. Anthony Anderson's in there, John Turturro, who we've talked about at length. And John Voight. So, I mean, shout out to Bernie Mac as well. It's just a big spectacle of, of, you know, basically brand new entertainment.
2: Yeah. That's, that's Michael Bay at his most Michael Bay. Uh, Exactly. And, and the first one, I actually agree. I agree with you quite a bit. I enjoy uh, the first Transformers movie in that, in that franchise when it turned into a bunch of robot dick jokes and peeing on things. And like that got annoying to, to the nth degree. But the first one is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit.
3: Michael Bay is what Zack Snyder should be doing, but he wants <laughs> to try to add depth and nuance to his movies, and, and, and it just doesn't work. Action just, just, just Follow be shoot 'em up, bang actions. bang, explosions. Just do that, okay? That's your lane, sir. Just All do right. that.
2: That's absolutely right. Now, give us your number nine shoot 'em up, bang bang, explosions movie.
3: Shout out to Liam Neeson and his soy sauce dyed hair. I'm going taken.
2: Christopher Platt playing the role of Patrick O'Dowd today, getting skipped (laughs) left and right with higher-ranked movies. I guarantee this next movie is on nobody's list because you're giving me a look. So in the age of epics, back when Lord of the Rings was huge, and folks were trying to cash in on different flicks that were based on works of literature, the movie Troy came out. And I had my doubts (laughs) about Brad Pitt as a Greek. And they were (laughs) well-founded. However, I love Troy. And much like I talk about with The Watchmen, somebody took the Iliad by Homer and... Probably did about as good a representation of that epic that you could. Orlando Bloom plays Paris, who kidnaps Helen of Troy. And it's such a contrast to his character from Lord of the Rings, where he was Legolas who could do everything. And in, in this, you know, Paris is a big wuss who sucks at everything, except for archery, which so it makes sense because, you know, Orlando Bloom. Um, but the uh, Brian Cox, friend of the program from last week, Brian Cox, plays King Agamemnon and is just terrific. Brendan Gleeson plays Menelaus, um, and Peter O'Toole is King Priam of Troy in one of his last, you know, roles in this big budget film. Um, but for me, Eric Bana plays Hector, and is kind of the the low key him and Achilles, who's who Brad Pitt plays. The two of them are the juxtaposing warriors within the Greek and Trojan army. And the movie centers around all these battles as the Greeks try to take over Troy, which is where the action is. A, a lot of I thought fun battle set pieces steeped in Greek tradition and mythology because it is a Greek myth. The but the, the the climactic battle between Hector and Achilles is a very well choreographed swordplay fight. That ends really, really well. And Eric Bana as the the like, the like good son, the dutiful soldier for his father. Uh, I love it. I, I watched it. I actually watched it in Gladiator last night. Just kind of back to back because we've been on this project and the movies were in my mind. Uh, and so I just really wanted to see it. Rose Byrne also uh, has a role in there as well. She plays a, a love interest for Achilles. I I think it's low. I think it's an underrated movie. I think it's quite good uh, as a hell of a cast. Sean Bean plays Odysseus um, in there as well. And and I love it. So Troy was my number nine.
1: Listen to Eric Bana. He makes this movie without him. This is just another Brad Pitt movie. But with him, like you said, it's compelling. And he is the absolute without a doubt. There's good performances in, in here. There's a bunch of them. But without a doubt, this is maybe his best performance and the movie's best performance, no question.
2: Thank you. All right, to my number eight. Everybody who's ever been on this show with me or heard me talk knows that I love Bruce Lee, knows that I love Jackie Chan, knows that I love Jet Li. Tony Jaa changed the way I watched fight scenes. And in 2003, a movie came out called Ong Bak, Muay Thai Warrior. story is very, very simple. Tony Jaa is a member of a village who has this Buddha that is this totem of the village. It is stolen. He tries to get it back. And the action sequences with very little stuntman work because that's not how you do it. It'll blow you away. He does things that you just can't imagine. And It's the same. It's just it was like the next level of progression in amazing Asian action films, centering around like kung fu and muay thai fighting. If you've never seen this film, and there's no real tough story to get involved, but he does shit you just you'll you'll never see again. He's amazing. It's awesome. And I thank my coworker Corey, who was like, "Dude, you have to see this movie." That's my that's my number eight.
4: It's a great selection. Ong Bak is, uh, and you know what? They even did a pretty good job with their sequels too, as yeah. well. It just showcasing the amount of talent uh, in the action uh, choreography world, right? right. And just is one of those flicks like uh pc had mentioned that i said before like you you watch that movie for the action you don't watch it for anything else and if you came if you came to watch an action movie uh, or a movie like a kung fu movie for the story it's not an action film and uh that Ongbok bak is
3: crazy good
2: mr platt you're number eight will you get to talk about your movie this time
3: We'll see, won't we? My number eight, probably not. My number eight is Kill Bill. And I don't differentiate (laughs) volume one and volume two. It's the same
2: movie. It's higher on
4: everybody's list. Stop talking. Stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) This happened to Patrick not too long ago. He got through like the first three just not being able to say shit. (laughs) (laughs) Toddy.
2: you're number eight.
1: You're going to have to wait. You have to wait till the end for that one. Uh my number eight, uh the fast and the furious. So I'm not that far ahead of you, ASOP.
3: Yeah, I, our, I just think can it's Can we talk about it now? Yeah, it's yes. the highest go ahead, but I, I want you I to plan. go ahead and do it. No, 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 no. no, go ahead, Tony. You brought it up and it's your category, so yeah, please. No, I, I want you to go ahead and do it. Okay, so the I I, I felt compelled. I don't even think this is the best Fast and Furious movie. I don't even think it's my favorite Fast and Furious movie. But because of the it's historical an ode to the series, exactly it's an ode because to the of series. the yes, yeah, that's the where I'm at. I got a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, the historical context of this movie. Now it's a multi-billion-dollar franchise. I felt like it had to be represented on this list, and I, I I know that the Fast franchise is kind of polarizing, but I feel like it's the most self-aware movie franchise in the world. Like they they don't try to have a story, they don't try to have a message, they don't try to bombard you with any bullshit. It's just hot girls, fast cars, nope. explosions and family shoot them up bang bang and I'm here for it. My favorite
1: my favorite storyline from this movie and it's and it's series is the fact that Ja Rule is a dumbass.
3: Nobody <laughs> you knows know that story.
4: Grounded Grounded in reality, right there.
3: Nobody yes. knows that story? No, wasn't he, he supposed down. to be the Tyrese Gibson he, character in part two? And then he, he turns was, up in Tokyo Drift for a hot second?
1: Yeah, because he turned it down. And like, I thought Ludacris came in and played his part that he was supposed to have.
3: Hmm. Okay, fair enough. But. Yeah. It, yeah I love these movies they're they're literally that's what action is all about. If you go back to the commandos and Rambos and shit like this is what action is all about and they're just really fun, as O'Dowd alluded to earlier popcorn movies or was that Aesop? was you the that's one that, that threw the popcorn movie reference out? yeah no, that was me uh this it's, movie oh
1: go ahead it's the seg- it's the segue to helicopters flying through train tunnels
2: <laughs> i um I think my uh Mrs. O'Dowd put it best to me when i when I watched it for the first time, and she was like, So what's the big deal about these? So I described to her the plot of the original. And she's like, So it's point break with cars,
3: yeah, it's like, just yeah, it's a it's perfect man movie like it it's, it was... you know but like your your testosterone <laughs> levels go through the roof while you're yeah. watching this movie, man like... <laughs>
4: dude, this movie' arcade, you know. It kicked off the undying franchise of the two thousands, right? Dude, you want to as... be like Dom and Brian, speeding through the streets. You you see the staple uh... Nissan Skylines, and you instantly want one yourself. This is a guilty pleasure movie. Great stunts, wanted, uh... cooler cars. You get you a badass film.
2: I wanted Jordana it's Brewster the on my lap. Academy. That's
4: really all I wanted.
2: She's fine.
3: Right. Right. old doubt. It's all about family. All right, family that's me
2: film. now, right?
4: Yeah, it's family still you. For- yep. All right, it's uh, number eight is three hundred. I don't know if uh, someone it else was, had it, it higher. It was than... higher on Dave's
2: list, and Dave's not here, so you get to go.
4: Good. Uh, <laughs> based on the Frank Miller comic, uh, which itself is a very over-dramatic telling of the real life battle of Thermopylae, three hundred is just a pure action, blood. And boobs. It's a spectacle. Gerard Butler is such a badass as Leonidas. And the cool visual art style of the film makes for a even cooler movie. The environment itself is lush yet depressing at the same time, which is a great representation of the film's story itself, right? Um, I, I like 300. I like the cinematic effects of it. And, again, you, you don't watch it for anything more than the the cool visuals,
3: I I had three hundred in my list as I was dwindling stuff down. Like it didn't make my top ten, but I understand why it made people's top ten. It, it's an awesome movie. I'm I'm kind of picking nits here. The only reason it didn't make my top ten is because of the the racist overtones of the movie. Because what the fuck you think the Persians look like in real life? But but as, but just as a shoot 'em up bang bang action movie, oh yeah, it's phenomenal. And it, and I mean it, it 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 gave birth to Gerard Butler like this is what put him on the map, you know. Well, I don't know
4: about that fan of the opera did that. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I uh
2: this is the movie that I shared that uh when it was released I loved it and since it's been released and I've every time I watch this movie I like it less and less and less. And when I did it for the nerd review let's just say East Germany found its original judge. And it was me, um, so I I, uh, I will respectfully end it there in terms of my thoughts on three hundred.
4: No, that's fine. And, and again, story wise, acting, it's not crazy. It's not good, uh, but you get some good action shit to it, and that's all I yeah, need.
2: It's it's everything. I, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna <laughs> do it. We, we already we already went down a rabbit hole with Star Wars, fucking like we we can't do it. We can't do it.
4: Um, all right. Uh, my Seems. number seven, I have a feeling people are going to have one of them higher. It's the Born Trilogy. Yep. Well, you know
1: what? We, actually, you know what? We came up to an addendum, I think, to this kind of rule is if it's the same and you're in the next order or if it kicks off the next category, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. It's well, also Patrick, my number seven. Patrick six.
4: had it on there, too. So
1: well, go ahead. Oh, he's got it higher? Sorry. Yeah,
4: that's yeah, you, PC. It's, it's your turn, Tony.
1: All right, Everybody drink. Tony forgot. Yeah, well, that's the... No, I didn't. I basically explained that my number seven is the born identity as well, so we'll wait. All and right, well, then,
2: then everybody drink because I forgot.
4: <laughs> Woo! Moscow
3: God New damn it, don't have man. a fucking social drink. Uh, I drink! Man, it... My number Okay, drink. Seven it's Selection Sunday. Drink. Is the Matrix reloaded? The Matrix reloaded.
5: Um,
1: nobody.
3: Nobody. Go for, for me. That's too bad. No. Well, okay, number one, similar to my Fast and Furious take, man, the Matrix was such a pop culture phenomenon, I feel as if it needed to be represented on this list. And and yes, the storyline got a little convoluted here with part two, but again, it had to be represented. And in terms of the, the action sequences and, and the things that they were able to do, that shit was still groundbreaking over here. Like, the only other person that was doing that Matrix shit was John Woo. And I guess you can also say that Ang Lee kind of dabbled in it with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But it was still kind of revolutionary to the Western audience, the things that they were doing with this. So I felt like the Matrix had to be represented because it was such a pop culture phenomenon. It had to be represented here on this list somewhere. In the 90s, sure. Well, this came okay. out in 2003, sir, so or 2002.
4: So, uh, I will say that that highway fight scene is really fucking cool i always enjoy watching that part the rest of the movie is fine it's not great and it's definitely better than revelations or whatever the fuck the, it's
3: called yeah yeah the third, the third yeah, one i'm we um, gonna act like that didn't it happen so yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. uh kingdom hey, um, of the crystal skull hey guys, right guys, there um, yes you know,
2: yes you, real quick did you guys <laughs> know that do you know that neo is jesus like did you know that did you know that Yeah, don't neo say is jesus, you guys because like, they only fucking throw crosses in your face every five seconds <laughs> in the sequels. Are you, he, God.
3: are you saying he did the job?
2: He did do the job. And, he did
3: the job in Revelations. Yes, he jobbed and, out and, in Revelations. And, and the architect
2: did. was the booker. Uh, my 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 favorite thing about Re- Revolutions is actually uh, the MTV Movie Awards parody of Will Ferrell as the architect. Sitting there yelling big words at people. It's it's really <laughs> funny. Go look it up on YouTube if you have a chance. Oh, oh he was Re-enacted spitting
3: the 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 architect was spitting from the Survival Scrolls, man. That's still one of my top five. Like I get douche chills when I go back and watch that scene. He was spitting, He was spitting. Oh, he was spitting. Cool. Yeah.
2: All right, well, we're gonna do we're gonna do my number seven now because it's my turn. Uh, <laughs> again, may or may not be on here was remade in twenty nine or twenty thirteen starring Josh Brolin. I'm going with the original, one of the most disturbing twist endings of yes. all disturbing twist yes. endings, Old Boy. Yes. If yes, you if you love the Daredevil Netflix miniseries and specifically the Daredevil hallway fight scene, which is one of the best choreographed fight scenes from that that Marvel family it owes it all to old boy and a can, lengthy. Can
3: I, yes. I, I apologize. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are, are you doing with the original Japanese version or the Spike Lee joint? The
2: original Japanese or the 2003.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, the, the Japanese version was much better and yes, it is very disturbing if you haven't seen it.
2: It's just, it's one of the most disturbing twists you you, ever and you don't like you don't see it coming um necessarily unless somebody has spoiled the movie for you and that that twist
4: if if dave was here he would
2: right and and the twist here's the thing about it is like the twist is one of those things you're just like ah ah And then you're like, but the movie, damn, those action sequences were fucking ridiculous. Like, he fights on his way through a warehouse. Like, it's like, I don't, God knows how many people. And it's this, like, really close quarters, tight-knit thing. And it's desperate and it's frenetic. He's using weapons. He's throwing shit. And he's just, it's insane. YouTube the fight if you don't want to watch the movie. YouTube, you, all you have to do is type, old boy fight. And that will get you where you need to go. It's, it's again, it's like Ong Bak. The fight sequences are why why that movie is is amazing. but And everybody talks about the twist. But the fight scenes are amazing. Check it out.
4: Extended one takes are the coolest thing in action films. Right. They're just the coolest, coolest damn thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Agreed.
2: So, all right. We're going to turn the corner. I don't know if my number six will show up higher on a list or not, but we will find out. My number six is Spider-Man 2 higher on Platt's list all right so Platt to you for your number six x2 fell off my list
3: really nobody had
4: fell. x-men 2 on here i didn't put any uh superhero flicks on there it wasn't
3: apropos for me i feel like this movie gets forgotten in the pantheon of great su- oh it's it's higher on Tunnies. is that what you're saying
2: No, no. I think he's saying he's not going
3: to comment. It gets gets forgotten in the pantheon of great superhero movies, especially with the adverts or the invention of the MCU. But at the time that it came out, man, there was a lot of argument that this might have been the greatest superhero movie ever. And it still holds up very well. Hugh Jackman is absolutely fantastic as Wolverine. I love Sir Ian, Ian McKellen as Magneto, the hero, or excuse me, the villain who isn't really the villain but he is the villain you know what i mean if, if that makes any sense to anybody but this is still a really good movie and it holds up very well and i i just wanted it to be represented somewhere on my list
2: yeah this this film on it was a part of the 17 i talked about um that that i whittled down from and what it what it came down to this this one fell victim to my personal preference for some of my lower films uh, it was one of those that I kind of banked on somebody else having on there, because I knew I'd get an opportunity to talk about it. I think that of all the times outside of the uh, of the Wolverine the Logan film, this is probably the best Hugh Jackman does in portraying Wolverine as the character. Uh, Brian Cox here he is again playing William Striker. Everywhere he he was yeah he was all over the first decade as as a bad guy. He's always and he plays such a great villain, and he does it he's, really, really he's well. He's striker, here. right? Yeah, he's a yeah. striker. Um yeah, yeah. And, and just the way that, again, there, that that turn by Magneto, where you, it's it's one of the more effective turns where the bad guy is the is is helping the good guy, and then beautifully when he sees his chance, tries to take it on his own, and. and Kicks off what would then lead to the worst X Men movie ever made,
3: but. uh... And, I mean Magneto, Ooh. he's very a much like Kill- there. he's very much like Killmonger in my book. Like he's not necessarily the villain per se, oh, no, because not you not can Because under- you can understand his um, his motivations. You you, you dig what I'm saying? Oh
2: yeah, yeah, totally. He is he is definitely definitely a sympathetic villain. He is definitely uh, what I you can relate to.
4: I love that movie just to the fact that we get a Lady Deathstrike cameo. Yeah. Like that is Lady Deathstrike is such an awesome Crackin character.
2: Knuckles. The the knuckle-crackling yeah, right? thing that was that was cool. So cool.
4: Needs- and uh oh a big shout out to um uh, I'm drawing a blank on the the actor but Nightcrawler is so yes. good. Howling yes. Cummings yes alan coming yes, he is he is fantastic there, were, there was
2: so much potential that got like teased in x2 as well because like one of i love colossus he's one of my favorite x-men and you yes. get a brief moment with him and you just wanted him to stick around and they were like no no go away and i'm like no come back please i don't care about pyro and bobby drake like fuck bobby drake that dude sucks he's like i hate him <laughs> um, i've never liked bobby drake anyway uh, very, very excellent choice, Plank. Completely, completely legit. Aesop No, Tunny, Tunny.
4: Drink, drink. <sighs> Ugh.
1: My number six. Yes, uh, it's kind of a shout out to a couple of movies we covered last week: Training Day and Gladiator.
2: Okay. What? No, that what? That's your number six.
1: Didn't yeah, there, there are two co- movies, sir. I understand, but we covered them both last week, right?
2: Yes, we did. Yes, okay. I see okay. what you're saying. And these are, these are
1: movies that would be on my top ten action list. So I'm throwing them in here at the number six spot, and we can keep moving, moving along.
5: You're
1: putting
2: two you, movies see, in your number so six. You have
3: two sixes.
2: He he manipulated the rules list, a little bit. my list, by the way. It's
4: okay
3: okay well, we, i don't like it uh number day,
4: six number six pick your give us your number six <laughs> i think, six so we can I think someone else had it higher it's taken
2: yes and so on that note um we will turn the quarter into an effective higher on our list as we head into a commercial break mr platt since tunny loves it that when you do the commercial would you mind <laughs> being the pro wrestling tease guy just to annoy pc tunny Take your time. Take as long as you want. Take as short as you want. You do it. You're welcome.
3: That's my line, fucker.
2: All right, Platt has a spirit.
3: Speaking of fuckers, if you want a fucker, or if you want to fuck him, whatever you're into, you need to be aesthetically pleasing. And what better way to make yourself aesthetically pleasing by, and also simultaneously supporting your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and, and analysis? Because you're smarter than the average fan by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot T-shirt. You're going to find something that you absolutely adore, I guarantee it. We have a plethora of designs, ladies and gentlemen, including one of the newest, Nefarious Means. If you don't know, go back in Chair chair Shot Lore and you'll figure that part out. Jesus did the job and his dad was the promoter. That's my personal favorite, unless you're Jewish and believe that that whole story is horseshit. But that's neither here nor there. You'll still get over with the T-shirt, say Tag Team Wrestling, you're tired of Fox News. You're tired of CNBC, you're tired of CNN, or whatever else. Rally against the machine, folks. Hashtag journalism. What more, what says revolution better than a good old-fashioned dose of American capitalism? And many, many other cool designs here. Again, if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out here at The Chair Shot, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content you love so much day in and day out here at The Chair Shot is is by supporting the movement and going to Pro WrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot, shot t-shirt. Fellas, make sure you get it soft style, spend the extra five bucks. Your epidermis will thank you for it. And that's the only time that's acceptable in life. Ask him, ask her. You already know what it is. The chairshot.com. Remember, we're not just a website, we're a movement. The chairshot.com. Always use your head.
2: Did America say you know it was over when the Germans you know bomb Pearl did. Harbor? Anyway, when we come back, our top five action films of the two thousand nine two thousand to two thousand nine era. You're listening to Bandwagon nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
3: Why should you visit the Chairshot.com? The Chairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
2: All right, we are back. It took us a while to get there, but here we are with our top five action films for The Ot Project 2000 to 2009. Aesop Mitchell, kick us off.
4: Yes, my number five is that Ang Lee classic. It's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Boom! Keep going. I, I like the porn. Remake. Crouching
2: woman,
3: hidden cucumber. Was that a thing?
2: We have skipped the selection. It is now Tony's <laughs> turn. We will now proceed I, I, with Tony's number five. I wanted five. to
3: put. I, I I could remember if that was ninety nine or two thousand. So that's my. That's the, the chairshot Always. Use your head.
1: Thanks. Apparently, we're just stealing everything from Tony today. That's fine.
3: Yeah, seeing you interrupting me with me. Yeah, interrupting me with me. That's a that's Tony 101 right there. Yeah, I that's learned, a, I learned that's, from the, that's the great That's Tony's greatest hits. <clears throat> I have two movies at number five. Oh, Jesus, fuck, Tony. It's a
1: 10 list. <laughs> I know, but I'm
3: keeping us moving
1: along one of them we covered last week
2: in I mean i Are keeping no, us Tony, moving along though because
1: one of them we covered last week in all the right. Dark Knight well,
2: that's high and I think that's
1: anyway. uh, alright fine and the other one is shout out to Heath Ledger and it's a night's Tale which isn't going to get mentioned in my comedy list. And I think it a lot of great action sequences and wanted to put it in there somewhere. So because it's a great movie and I didn't know where to put it in the genres. And that's all we have to say about it. And that's a lot quicker than the rest of the selections we have left. So we can carry on.
2: you a sports I do, movie. I do have one. I actually, honest to God, have one question. Cause I've always found this to be an interesting take from folks with that film. How did people feel about modern music used in the soundtrack with that movie? Like clearly, Tony, it didn't bother you because you enjoyed the movie. It was in your, it was on your list. But I, I, a, I honestly it's think it's a, an interesting question.
1: It's almost, it's a, it's a, it's a rom com with action, is what it is, and sure. it's great.
3: What's the? I mean, what's the alternative? They're gonna play the fucking doom, do Like what the fuck? What? What was the alternative?
4: Well, hey, if Martin yeah, Lawrence yeah. can use it in Black Knight, they can but, do it in Knight's Tale.
3: My, honestly, the
2: more. But, but. Just to just to take your question, Chris. Somewhere when you say what, what are they going to do? Like a period film, tends to have period sounding music, like of of the era, whatever it is. Like if I like Troy or Gladiator, if say say Gladiator, as they're in the middle of yeah, this, but this the medieval fight in times, Arita, they're playing the thunder music
3: sucked in medieval times, man. Uh, it even yeah, an well, that's the thing. guitar. What do you call that shit that they was drumming and strumming? What the fuck is that
1: shit even called? Medieval times can be displayed as super serious or not as so serious, especially with the jester and the joker being such high in the lore of medieval times. Whereas the Roman era, you know, I know you have on stage comedies and tragedies and things of that nature, but it's more the drama of the families and the wars and the armies.
2: Really? I wish they.
4: Like, like X Gone. give it, it to an over
2: over the music man maybe
4: gonna play it. Play it, you're
3: number 5 man I'll give it to... you know what I mean hey, yo, miss bitch let me get some water
2: that's not your number
3: 5 what's your number 5 Miss lady basic i get some my number 5 <laughs> is, is First batman decision. begins
2: batman begins
3: oh yeah. boy is that not on anybody's list yeah no. really I, I, feel yeah. like, I, liked, I feel like I like I feel like I like I like this movie a lot more than most because I'm I'm an inquisitive melon farmer and it answered a lot of questions to me because I'm looking at Batman I'm like, well, how did he get the Batmobile or how was he able to construct the Batcave and bring all this equipment in this high tech ass equipment in and nobody was none the wiser and that movie answered all of my questions that I had to how Bruce Wayne got to the batman and i I, yeah i think it's a good movie i you know i think you actually
2: made a really interesting point because one of the things that i've always found unique about batman versus other superhero films is that for some reason the origin story of batman often takes a backseat to like everything else Uh, like to the
3: to the the practical practicality well, of how did this come to be
2: right because if you look at uh like you look at burton's batman in 89 like they explain what event led him to become batman but they never really talk about the journey of him becoming batman he is already bad like you're introduced to the character with him interrupting crime and it the, batman begins is one of the few iterations of batman where he goes through things and decides to become Batman, much like other superhero films. And so it was nice. And it, it was a nice way to introduce the League of Shadows without confusing the crap out of people. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I only went with one movie in the Dark Knight trilogy. And that was my number five, which is apparently higher on your list because uh, my number five is The Dark Knight. So we'll skip that and we'll go straight into my number four, which I also know is higher on people's list because I haven't heard them say yet. And that's Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Higher on Aesop and Tunney's list, if I do believe, which then segues nicely. I,
3: I, I said it, by the way. I said it.
2: You did, but it was lower on your list. So I'm talking about Fair. where where it's going along. Um, not everything is a slight on you, Christopher Platt. It's okay. We love you.
3: Uh, <laughs> I, I I just feel like it is, Pat. I just do.
2: I mean, I I love you, and we only hurt the ones we love. That's at least that's what my father <laughs> used to say when he used to hit me. Uh, and then th- and welcome to you know bandwagon nerds. You know, dark.
3: The Tony, the drunken Irish edition, apparently.
2: I mean, I have been consuming. Tony, get me out of this. Mm. <laughs> I mean, black people, yeah. we number have four. substance
3: abuse problems too, man. You ain't alone
2: with <laughs> this. Let's fix it. Who's turn? Whose, Is it my turn? It is your turn. It's your number no, four. No, it's
4: not. <laughs> is it, a, is it a
2: Platt's? <laughs> no, Platt, Platt comes Platt. after you. Does
1: he? Yeah, it's Platt's
3: turn. Platt, three, number four. Go, oh, we're go, we're Platt, four. Damn it, Num- we're number four yeah. right now, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh four brothers
2: oh okay nice not one that that's my list but nice good call
3: i i got to admit man i wanted this to be my number one but i had to take my personal bias out of it because i just absolutely love this movie i i love the the dynamic between the four main characters like you actually the chemistry that they had amongst each other you really bought into the fact that they were actually brothers and grew up as brothers and this is one of my movies where we all have these movies, right? Where you're flipping through the channels and you see that it's on. It doesn't matter at what point the movie is on. You see it, you turn into it, and you're all in and from whatever point that it's it's on, right? I also love the fact that it was actually, it was a remake of a spaghetti Western known as the, the Sons of Katie Elder, which starred uh, John Wayne and Dean Martin. So if you haven't seen it, I, go out your way to see it. If you're a Western fan, go out your way to see it. It's actually a really good movie. But yes, this movie was just excellent. And it took everything in my power not to put this as my number one. Because I, I know most people don't see it in that, you know, it, it, they don't hold it as in high esteem that I do. But I, I just, I love this movie. It's a great action movie. It's a, it's literally a spaghetti Western set in a modern day Detroit landscape you know what i mean but it it has all the same tropes and it's just phenomenal it's well acted the ending kind of falls on its face like they didn't necessarily stick the landing but it's just in terms of just entertainment value and movies yeah it, it, it it does it for me shout out
4: to you for putting four brothers at number four though (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's, that's I, I, that,
3: I didn't do that on purpose. It just kind of worked out like that. Like I had it at my number one for so long. I just, to be fair, like I said, I thought it was just me and my bias. Like I, I couldn't. It's very. Uh, yeah. I was trying very to be Chuck Buller, you, know? of you Oh, shut up.
2: Is it now Tony's turn?
1: Yes. All right. it's true story. Trigger my number story four is, is and...
3: collateral. Oh, sorry. Oh, I had Collateral. That's one of the ones that didn't make the cut. Please, Tony, please elaborate. I I really enjoyed the
1: chemistry between Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Jada Pinkett Smith is in this movie. Mark Ruffalo, Peter Berg, Bruce McGill. I mean, you, you, the list goes on and on. It's, it's a really good. Javier Bardem is in this movie. It, it's just amazing, amazing list of people who are in this movie. It it Tom Cruise is sent to do bad things to someone that works at uh, some government office in California. And Jamie Foxx is the cab driver who gets paid $600 to take Tom Cruise around town. And he's very reluctant to break the law at the beginning. But as we move along, uh, they're in this together. And it's quite the thrill ride. It's a little bit more of a thriller than an action movie, but the action is great. And uh, speaking of film noir, from the Batman last week, a lot of neo-noir action
4: here in this thriller of a film. Nice. Good choice. Cool. Uh, My number four is V for for Vendetta. Oh, my God. I had a mini stroke there. Uh, Based on the books of the same name from the 80s, follows a post-war London that is now in a fascist regime oppressing the people on the city. Vigilante, simply known as v fights back against said oppressors. And man, Hugo Weaving's voice for V is so mysterious. It draws you in much in the same way that it actually draws Natalie Portman's Evie in the film. The Wachowskis were the ones who penned the screenplay. And my God, do you feel every bit of those siblings throughout the film as it has a weird sort of matrix spinoff feel to it? I like I love V for Vendetta a lot, and if you had to put uh, a Matrix esque movie in there, Plaid, like that's the one that I put in. I love that movie.
2: I uh, I love it as well. Um, it's it's uncanny sometimes to to like watch that movie or read the comic and then like. We always talk about how sometimes films are reflective, like a lot of reflective stuff in that film oh, uh, yeah. to, to the world we live in today. But if I were to, if I were to talk about a scene that I think is just well shot and well done and well put together, the domino scene is terrific filmmaking um, with the way, um, and I can't remember the guy's name that's doing the voice, Steven, um, I can't remember his name, but he's doing the voiceover. He's doing the narration, talking about what's going to happen and the cutaways as V sets up the dominoes and and the way it gets executed. And he knocked it's just so well done. It's beautiful. Um, It's a great movie. It was also on Dave's list. um, And I'll share that uh, where it was later on in the program.
4: All right. My number three. Actually started out at number nine on my list and has been literally climbing up this entire weekend and even into this show. It's Kung Fu Hustle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Kung Fu Hustle. Off.
4: I love this movie and, and like I, I like I said I, I had it at number nine and as I started writing my other feelings towards each subsequent movie that was uh, ahead of it. I just did not feel I was doing Stephen Chow's film justice, putting it so high on my list. Chow, who not only directs, but is also the lead, pays a massive tribute and pokes fun of the classic Chinese uh, wuxia films with great humor and some killer fight scenes to boot. I find myself watching Kung Fu Hustle more and more, uh, and I would think... In a given year, it, it's just so worthy of a re-watching. That first uh, initial scene in Pigsty Alley where uh, the, the three masters come out of hiding and you see them kind of go at it with the axe gang is very fun.
2: Yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. I, uh, You know, I thought back and forth and, uh, as to what... Sort of kung fu, martial arts, action films. I wanted to have on there, and you know, obviously made my choices down a little bit further on my list. And just as I got closer and closer to the top, I had other ones that I wanted to put there. So that's that's how that fell off of mine. Tony, your number three.
1: All right, my number three stars a list of unbelievable. Ac- you know, I love it when the cast is excellent. Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, Johnny Depp. Mickey Rourke, Eva Mendez, Danny Trejo, Enrique Iglesias, Willem Dafoe, Cheech Marin, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Anybody? Bueller? Didn't think so. It, it, it Talk about trilogies. Like, this finishes a trilogy that Robert Rodriguez set out and, and executed wonderfully talk about el mariachi and desperado this finishes that story and in an excellent way in my opinion i i the rewatch you talk about rewatchability. to me this is great this is like such a western feel to it like it, it he wanted it to be his good bad and the ugly so i i love it if you've never seen it you should check it out it's it's just a great performance by every single one of these actors in this movie
3: I had that movie on my list of ones that didn't make the cut because it was a dope movie. I just I like Desperado better, and that came out in the late '90s, so that's why I didn't make my cut. But I'm glad that it made somebody's 95. cut, and I'm glad yeah, yeah. that you you talked about it. So you, props to you, man. Seriously,
2: yeah. Desperado Desperado was on my my '90s project list uh, for action films. As I you want to talk about a movie I watched on repeat that was that was a movie i watched all the time back in the El mariachi's the same way like you both of those are, are terrific for some reason i don't know why um like it's a it's a very good action film i liked it, it i and i think it was a, a more than appropriate end of the trilogy it felt so much more polished than the other two that it i appreciated almost took that a, see and, and for me i liked that it was just sort of like like that El that just Desperado and El Mariachi just had like this feeling of, there was a rough edge to it that was unfit. that just it felt different, uh, which is why it I was fell expecting off list.
1: closure. I was expecting right. closure. No, was it absolutely tightness. does that.
2: It absolutely does that. That's not what I'm getting. It's just like the look and the feel of the film was a little bit different than Desperado and El Mariachi. The, and and the, to me, that's why it fell off my list. Is because I like when I looked at the ones that I, I kept on there, like that takeaway hurted enough to keep it off my list. Does that make sense?
1: The first two were three years apart, and right. then the second one, the third one came like eight years and after the year. second one. So you can, you can it's like having siblings, you know.
2: That's fair. Whose turn is it?
3: Blad. Number three. Number three, so at my number three, I had Spider-Man 2.
2: Okay, cool.
3: And people clearly have it higher, so we'll keep it moving like an escalator. No, no, no. no. Oh, no, I no, was saying it. you. I was just fucking with you. Oh, there so nobody has it higher? No, yeah. Nobody I has had
2: it. it. Nope, I, had it at, I had it at six on my list. You have it at two, so
3: it's No superhero movies. But let's talk about it. Like, number one, you know, at the time that it came out, this was, I think, the consensus best comic book movie that ever happened. And I think that it holds up very well. I still enjoy Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. As much as I love Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire is still my Spider-Man. It just is what it is. This movie, it had heart. It had emotion. It had absolutely, for the time that it came out, the special effects and the action scenes they held up very well and you know there was a lot of groundbreaking shit that went in there obviously I'm a Sam Raimi fan as we talked about earlier in, in regards to the evil dead I, I like the comedic tone but Spider-Man is just my guy like Batman and Spider-Man those are my guys and I, I really enjoyed this movie and I think that it holds up very well so that's why I had it as high on my list as I did Patrick what, what are your thoughts about this movie
2: it's my, it's my third favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. Um, actually, that's not true. It's my second favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. I, I would actually put it in front of No Way Home at this point. Uh, Good man. But, and for me, Into the Spider-Verse is still the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a comp here. Back when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, a lot of people went, huh, is that going to work? When it got announced that Alfred Molina was going to be cast as Otto Octavius, I know I wasn't alone in being like, well, that's some casting. I'm not sure I'm going to buy that. And he crushes it as Otto Octavius in Spider-Man 2. And I would argue his performance probably is why we have... No way home, the way we have no way home. Because Willem Dafoe was a good Green Goblin. He wasn't a he wasn't perfect. And, and I loved that first movie. Melina took a character that isn't typically known for having this like sort of tragic life backstory and and made a believable, made him a sympathetic villain, made him somebody you wanted to have the redemption for. So when he got it years later in the MCU. It paid off, and you know I think that the one of the reasons why Spider-Man Two doesn't age quite as well for me um, is as I as I get further and further into my years and more advanced, I get a little less into melodrama, and I do feel that there is a bit of particularly with the Parker MJ romance, just a little too much melodrama for my liking. Still a terrific movie, still wonderful. It was number six on my list, so. The, yeah. I and, mean,
3: the, you the, you have okay. the train scene.
2: Oh, the with, train scene is
3: amazing. That that train scene is still one of the yeah, the greatest comic book that's, movie that scenes. Starts, in, that starts that starts on history. the
2: clock tower with him throwing the clock hands and doing all that. Yeah, it's it's a great great scene. with Parker holding the train. Like that's that's drama. Like that's just it's drama. It's terrific. So, no no argument there. Um, and like I said, it was on my list. But uh, it's probably, like I said, it's probably number two.
4: That is, um, that, that, that whole movie is done because of Alfred Molina's Doc Ock and the amount of things that you can attribute his performance to, uh, I, I, you know, not only Doc Ock portrayals later on, but also, so I would say Spider-Man character arcs later on, um, is because of that you know they referenced it i don't know how much it it necessarily matters but um insomniac spider-man the game got a lot of that stuff from spider-man 2 and they weren't they have wholeheartedly admit that and that game uh yeah that game's story is is fucking fantastic so uh, i i mean molina just crushed it so hard
2: absolutely all right looking at our time we only got about 19 minutes left of show so we have got to keep moving okay fellas Um, I love you, but we're still, we're in our top three. Where, and I'm going to drink again. Whose turn is it? I lost yours. It is my turn. My number three, that's fine. Uh, My number three is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Is that the highest that it's gotten to um, on anybody's list at this point? I love Kung Fu movies. Platt, you talked about um, The Matrix and and how The Matrix sort of introduced that style. Ang Lee. This this to me didn't just introduce that style; it embraced it, it showcased it, and really introduced an American audience to a style of film that they are not used to seeing. Uh, it deserved all the accolades, and you know, between Chow Yun-fat and Michelle Yao, you you just could. It was it was amazing. It was beautiful. The use of sound is 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 amazing. Um, it's you know it's it's a pretentious movie but it's beautiful i love it all over a
4: sword it's so great that that uh this feels film feels like it's ahead of its time but also then landed at the appropriate spot right i know that seems very contrarian but i don't feel like people really got to appreciate how good crouching tiger is and like you said can Lee just be more consistent because when he's on he is one of the greatest directors of film, but then he makes, you know, garbage sprinkled in here and there that makes you question your existence.
2: That's fair. Whatever. No, okay, I agree
3: with uh, both of you guys' assessments. This movie is absolutely brilliant to me. I Honestly, I thought it came out in 99, and that's probably why it wasn't on my list, but... You know, we got to give John Woo his flowers because he's the one that introduced that Matrixy style to the to the Western culture. But Ang Lee, he did his thing and dipped his toe, like I said earlier, in it in this movie. But yeah, this is an absolutely beautifully shot. It it looks aesthetically beautiful, and it's a pretty story that they tell. Like so, yeah, all all, all praises due. Could have landed Lee, in my fantasy this movie.
2: It really could have. Um, And, you know, this movie spawns Hero. It spawns House of Flying Daggers. It spawns so many other great movies after it. So, excellent, excellent number three. My number two is Taken. Uh, Is it higher up? Uh, Is anybody's number one? Not seeing that. Um, Again, if you would have told me that 50-something-year-old Liam Neeson could be a badass and just wipe out the world left and right, and we've talked about this throughout this list, the plot is simple. The action is fucking, fucking balls to the wall. Great. Once it gets going. And I will, um, I, I will never go to Tripolya. uh, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, I
3: had this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to
4: say, it's, this is the, this is the meme film of the two thousands, man. And in the best way that it, I had it on my list at six, it, you, the, the number of times that you heard uh, parody speeches of him doing the phone call, right, is nauseating at this point. But you can't deny that it was such a great scene.
3: I had it at number nine on my list. And again, this is one of those ones because of the cultural significance and relevance of this movie. Because this spawned a whole new genre of action flick. Like you got Jack Reacher. With Tom Cruise playing Liam Neeson, you got John Wick that's still going on with Keanu Reeves playing Liam Neeson. We had the Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington playing Liam Neeson. We had a fucking um, we, there was a couple of movies that they tried with Charlize Theron as Liam Neeson. I don't think they really hit. Hell, we had um, fucking Patrick's uncle Bob Odenkirk last year come out playing Liam Neeson in a movie. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the so the the cultural relevance and significance of this movie, man, it deserves to be talked about. And just for it on its own merits, it's Liam Neeson with his soy sauce dyed hair, not fucking around. And it fucking works on every level on the testosterone side of the game. It's Liam Neeson not fucking around. You got it. Hey, stop fucking
2: around and tell us your number two.
3: My list was still fluid here. And uh, the, number two, we're picking nits. I'm going to go with the Dark Knight.
2: I mean, the Dark Knight was my number five. So I'm right there with you.
3: Okay, nobody else had it higher? Nope.
2: No, I think Dave covered it on, had it on his list last week. I did. But, I had it on two. his list for drama last week, so I think that's why I left it off this week.
3: I'm picking it here because it's damn near a perfect movie. It's well acted. It's the story is of the rise and subsequent <laughs> fall of Harvey Dent. It's absolutely perfect. You know where I'm going, Patrick. That's why you're laughing now. Why no, I'm laughing picking at this Asom Why I'm
2: giving you giving you a face over calling it damn near a perfect movie? That's what I was. That was actually what I was laughing oh. at.
3: But but it is. I mean I mean you could make an a a legitimate argument that this is the best movie of that time frame. The thing that kind of pulls me out of it, number one, Christian Bale. He makes some questionable choices with Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like that, boys, give me a break. But it goes back to the Margot Kidder side of the game, which please take that down, Patrick, no, as I your background. No, I put
2: for you, man. I know how you feel about her, so I figured you want to see her. You,
3: <laughs> you have these two, again, we're picking this, but you have these two powerful-ass men in Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent, and they're both pining over pie-face-ass Maggie Gyllenhaal. That kind of takes me a little bit out of it. Other than that, it's damn near a perfect movie. It's absolutely phenomenal. Shout out to Heath Ledger, RIP. He killed it in the role as the Joker. Aaron Eckhart. I think that's Eckhart, how you say his name. Eckhart, he was,
2: Eckhart whatever. Eck-Tol. He was great
3: thank, in, in his thank portrayal you for as Harvey Dent. Okay, cool. He was great as his, his portrayal as Harvey Dent, and this was a phenomenal movie. And I think this movie kind of um, changed the game because it showed that these comic book movies need to be taken seriously as actual films.
2: Absolutely. I I do. I think this was a, a legitimizing film for, and I went back and forth as to whether to include this, whether it should be action, whether it should be drama, what it should be. um, Because it is kind of tough because it is kind of a psychological thriller uh, as much as it is anything else. Uh, But you can't deny the performances, particularly of Ledger You can't deny the performances of, uh, like, Christian Bale's, like, ridiculous voice, I actually think, is at its worst come, you know, (laughs) The Dark Knight Rises. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, By the way, Bandwagon Nerds does not endorse, uh, you know, face-shaming various actors throughout the world. You wouldn't give it to an ordinary (laughs) citizen. Exactly. Uh, And on that note, we will move over to Mr. Tunney for his number two.
1: My number two is a little Western action drama called 310 to Yuma. It's a remake of the 1957 film and uh, the short story by Elmore Leonard. And it stars a plethora of excellent, excellent people in this cast. Russell Crowe, the outlaw being taken to jail by train. Uh, Christian Bale, uh, Peter Fonda, Alan Tudyk, Gretchen Mole, just I I love watching westerns. It's it's a big reason why I love HBO Max because of the hub they have. Yes, Patrick.
2: No, no, go ahead. Oh, you
3: have it up higher.
2: No, no, I have a question. Oh, I thought uh, you. Were... But I just finished your thought. Go ahead.
3: Go, if you well, love westerns, no, go watch the Sons of Katie Elder, man, with John Wayne and Dean Martin. If you're a western so, guy, what's go your question, that out? Patrick?
2: Well, I'm just was is this a makeup because you couldn't put because you forgot to put Tombstone on a list in the '90s project?
1: is no, not at all. I love, I actually love this film. I really did. I, I, I watched it it multiple times. I just think it's, it's an excellent Western. I love the genre and it had to be on this list right here for me. Um, just people think about all the things Russell Crowe and Christian Bale did in this decade. And this is so underrated. It's an amazing, uh, there's another, uh, Western in this time period. Maybe it's the next decade with Robert Duvall that we might get to. Uh, Maybe it was the previous decade, but this one just stands out to me as. With him and Kevin Costner, open range. Is that what it is? Open range. Open range. I think that's next decade, maybe. So they both remind me of each other. They're just excellently well done, new era, uh, modern millennium Western
4: films. Cool. Uh, my number two is. I love Hot, and can, can 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 we A's hurry up? Off? We got ten me?
1: minutes, people. Can you? Can, can Patrick? Can he not follow me anymore? He no sells the shit out of me, and I don't like it. I don't want to <laughs> work with him
2: anymore. He's only got one show left.
4: My number two is Hot Fuzz.
2: Interesting.
4: Uh, the, yeah, okay. You you can follow me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. Getting the the Shaun of the Dead trio back together, hot fuzz, buddy cop films with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, with director Edgar Wright helming, as well as a massive crew uh, of some of the strongest British acting talent. It's so much dry, deadpan humor, which means it's perfect for me. Uh, And while it may not be the most action-packed throughout the film, when they do give you some action, it is wild especially that last half hour which is just non-stop action i love hot fuzz
2: i you know i was funny because i think that i felt victim to i want this to be Shawn of the dead and then you know kudos to them it, it wasn't at all um the, the climax is just bonkers by the way like the climax of that movie like the final gunfight is is a yeah. lot of fun Um, it is, you know, I, I went back and forth also, is it a comedy? Is it an action movie? Is it a comedy? Kind of like what you can do with Shaun of the Dead. Is it a horror movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror movie? I mean, it's definitely making fun of zombie movies, but at the same time, like it's still a horror movie. So, um, yeah, I just, that's a, it's an interesting choice and not one I would have seen in a number two. So way to keep us on our toes. That's uh
4: that's my, my brand right there. Uh, Hmm. are, are are we to the end of the number
1: twos?
2: Yes, that was the last number
5: two.
1: Okay, I think Platt should go first with number one because I think Patrick, myself, and Aesop have the same number one. Really? Yeah, I'm fairly certain we all have the same number
3: one. And I I think that it's all about the same guy, just different movies, actually.
2: Okay, what's your number one?
3: Inglorious Bastards.
2: No, not even the same guy. Um well, did.
3: somebody got Kill Bill because we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah, the other three of us have Kill no, Bill no, number no, one, no, I,
2: I do No, I don't. I have Kill Bill at number Patrick four. Patrick
3: literally just said he didn't have Kill Bill as the one, sir.
2: Aesop. Aesop. Aesop has... So you two have Kill yeah. Bill at number one. I okay. had Kill Bill at number four. Yeah. My number one is different. So oh. Kill Bill. We all had him on our list, by the way. Yes. I think you had Kill Bill on your list, too, right?
3: I did. I had Kill Bill at number eight.
2: So we all Aesop, had Kill Bill on there.
3: Yeah.
1: Aesop, you're the best at this. Go ahead and take take the lead. Sure. Thanks. So?
4: Kill Bill, volume one and volume two. Tarantino yes, I, uses color and light to showcase this spin on a samurai western and grants depth to every last piece in Kill Bill from The costumes to the music to the performances themselves, which you already know Tarantino knows how to pull talent out of his actors. And much like the Bourne movies from earlier, uh, Kill Bill is one cinematic masterpiece split into two films. So I couldn't in good conscience pick just one, though the best action clearly comes from part one as the crazy 88 scene is by and large one of the coolest things I have watched in my short life. I think Kill Bill is so perfect and Tarantino just just absolutely demolishes what he sees. It's an amalgamation of his career to
1: this point. It, it's bringing everything together that was successful and putting it together in an excellent way. And I, the cast again is excellent. Think about the people he's involved with. Uma Thurman, just no one else could have put this movie at the level that it sits, especially in our opinions. Uh, It's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie series, but, like, I think back to Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and just, like, tying that up into better bundles and and delivering it in in odder
3: ways, and that's Quentin Tarantino. So, number one, I I have to say that I I disagree with you. Number one, it, it is one movie. Like the only reason that they split the movie up is because marketing and now, studios nowadays, and it Hollywood gets movie, into. It,
1: it. it would have been one four and a half hour movie for you to digest
3: yes. at the theater. Yeah,
1: and eight yeah. up. I would have had to go pee for that four and a half hour movie, unlike the three hour one we just watched.
3: But 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 number two, Teddy, I disagree with you in that this is the perfect amalgamation of all Quentin Tarantino movies. I don't think it was that, because if you watch t- Quentin Tarantino's body work, you can see that. He grew up absolutely obsessing over and loving exploitation flicks, spaghetti westerns, and kung fu movies. So he got his black exploitation flick in Jackie Brown back in 97. He Great. later on got his spaghetti western in The Hateful Eight. And this right here, this is his kung fu movie. This is Quentin Tarantino's homage to kung fu flicks. And it's absolutely perfect. It's a little gory for my taste, which is why I had it a little bit lower than you guys did. But it's an absolutely brilliant film. It really is.
2: So I actually, I'm speak- it-
1: oh I'm, I'm just just want to clear it up quick. I'm speaking from an action perspective.
2: Okay, I I, I agree with you. I see where you're going with that. Here's I actually disagree a little bit that it, in both parts are completely complete homages to samurai films because I would I have long argued that volume one is an anime movie done to live action uh, and the crazy the crazy eighty eight battle is like that's a straight up right out of an anime film somebody lops off an arm and the blood sprays everywhere like that is anime to a T he included an anime segment to tell the story. Of Oren Ishii, in in the film because of his love of that art form and his appreciation of his art form, and so I actually view them very distinctly in those sorts of looks. Because number two, part volume two is is absolutely a thousand percent, one hundred percent, all the way beginning to end. That is a um, solitary samurai western like that's that is straight out of um kung fu the the legend continues uh like that like lone warrior going to face a foe um it's it it is to me that's his magnum opus i love it you know i think uh you know you're gonna talk about inglorious bastards at some point um which i didn't even know that came out in the first decade that's impressive but um uh, yeah I watched I'll watch those back to back, on a, on a on an afternoon, and and not even notice the time, so it's it was my number four, um, but it, it could have easily been up there with everything else.
1: It's gonna win this week.
2: So, to Christopher Platt, it's it is now to you, with your number one, because Aesop and Tony both had the same number one.
3: Again, we go back and forth here with, you know, these action movies and what constitutes an action movie. Just real quick, shout out to Sin City, Bad Boys 2, Rush Hour 2, Collateral. I, I think somebody actually brought up Collateral. Uh, fucking Memento, I Am Legend. These are the departed. These are just some of the ones that didn't make the cut for me. And there's plenty, plenty more. But, you know, we only have so much time left. Uh Inglourious Basterds is absolutely brilliant as a film. I mean, what else could you ask for? It had a hot lead, they found, you know, Shoshana, she was absolutely gorgeous as the, you know, the the Jewish prisoner. Christopher Waltz, we didn't know who Christopher Waltz was or what he was capable of and he absolutely killed his role. And you get Nazis getting killed. You got Brad Pitt doing Brad Pitt stuff and ultimately we got Nazis being killed and we got to see Hitler being killed. Like it's a, it's a a phenomenal movie and I feel like this was Quentin Tarantino at the height of his powers.
4: And a remake because that original Inglorious Bastards is weird and not this good.
2: Um, it, It really, it really does speak to where he was in this first decade as a director that Two of the three options that we're going to list uh, on the Bandwagon Nerds poll so far are Quentin Tarantino flicks. So, uh, I, uh, honest to God, like I said, I forgot that it was even released in the first decade. I didn't realize it was 2009, so uh, I missed that one. Uh, my number one was brought up earlier as a trilogy, but it's the Born Identity uh, for me. And when I think of something that epitomizes an action flick, Matt Damon, um, as a sleeper soldier who, you know, fall is, is found floating in the middle of the ocean by a fishing vessel, um, without his memories, doesn't know who he is and things come back to him sort of as he's, as he's been programmed. And once again, Brian Cox, there he is. There's that man again, Chris Cooper, also in that one, Julius Stiles, um, but Matt Damon carries this uh, in a way that, again, I didn't expect him to do so. And, you know, we were we are now fully into the era of movie stars being action stars and that there aren't specific action stars anymore the way there used to be. And um, Keanu Reeves was the same way, but Matt Damon was, was another, is another one that suddenly... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Here's this guy who you don't expect to be doing an action movie who's doing all kinds of what well, look like really complicated maneuvers, but when you really pay attention to it, it's not. It's just it's very good <laughs> choreography, uh, but it's well done and it's very clever. Uh, Clive Owens in this movie um, as one of the one of the assassins that tries to to take him down in, in the mystery of Treadstone, and it spawned three really really good movies. Uh, also, in the land of European car chases, anytime you can drive down a staircase, it's a win we got multiple staircases driven down win for the born identity and that is my number one
4: big shout out to uh paul greengrass for doing a fantastic job picking up where the original director doug lyman kind of left off
2: right
3: and shout out to the born identities this is one of the ones that i had on my list it just didn't make the list but yeah, I get it. And I mean, this was a star making turn for Matt Damon. Like he came on the radar because of goodwill hunting, but this took him to another level. This took him to, OK, badass testosterone driven level like this took him to the next, the upper echelon, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Shout out to you. Oh, Like I can't really y- you already know, man. I-, I have a lot of criticisms about how how some of these lists come out, but I can't be mad at you that being your number one that's a solid choice man seriously it's easier to
1: uh it's easier to understand them when you're in here making the sausage i feel like it's a black sheep united states version of james bond went wrong
2: oh yeah absolutely and
1: uh and i loved loved every minute of it
2: and take some time the books are pretty good too um Mm -hmm. so it is based on a series of books david on list really quick uh, as we've wrapped and up. Oh, yeah. That
3: Another Day was on my list as well. We just, you know, I'm a James Bond mark, so... But go ahead. Let's get to Dave's, my consigliaries list.
2: So your consigliere's list, he had Fast and the Furious at number 10, National Treasure at number 9, V for Vendetta at 8, The Bourne Identity at 7, Kill Bill Volume yeah. 1, oh, only Volume 1, oh. at number 6, Ooh. Iron Man at number 5, 300 at number oh. 4, Spider-Man 2, at number three, Casino Roy- Royale, or sorry, Spider-Man 2 at number three, Casino Royale at number two, and The Dark Knight at number one.
1: Wow.
3: No
5: Kill
1: Bill, Dave? Uh, disappointed.
3: He had killed Bill. Had Kill Bill. He had Kill Bill Bobby. He didn't have 1, volume so 2. Where were you at? Okay. Well, I take it back.
2: <laughs> Rightfully so. Drink. Okay. That is going to do it for the action list uh, for the op project and so this week on bandwagon nerds for the week the poll will be kill bill volume one and two uh will be an option the born identity and inglorious bastards those are going to be your three options the dark knight has shown up on another poll previously so i'm not going to put it up again those are your three options live with it like it learn to love it all of that fun stuff next week we wrap up the op project with what is always my most challenging list, and I'm sure will be the rest of the bandwagons as well, as we do comedies from the first decade. Gentlemen, it's going to be quite a time. We're not going to do Patrick's Pitch, but before we go, I did want to do, uh, it's been a while since I've done this, but I want to wish a Melancholy Happy Trails to Emilio Delgado. And if you don't know who Emilio Delgado is, then you didn't grow up on the street. The street I am referring to is Sesame Street. Emilio Delgado played Luis, the fix-it. Mister Fixit Man, on Sesame Street was very much the he was one of the most like reassuring characters for Big Bird. Um, that's who how I really remember him, and uh, it's it's one of those things as more and more pieces of my childhood start to transition as, as Christopher likes to to describe it. Um, this one kind of hit me in a way that I was a little surprised because of just like I grew up on him and, and some of the other folks that are now like I got our senior citizens, um, that I don't even think that they, it didn't even occur to me that they're senior citizens. So happy trails to Luis Delgado. And as we are recording this in, in just in terms of wrestling news, um, God, uh, all the best in a yeah. recovery to Scott Hall. Yes. Um, yes, He is not in a good way right now. Uh, and so, you know, our thoughts uh, are also to him. So happy trails, Luis, and please, speedy recovery, Scott Hall. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, gentlemen, tell the world where else on the Chairshot Radio Network is you can be found this week. We will start with our special guest, Mr. Christopher Platt.
3: I'm not a special guest, man. I'm, ba- I'm basically how, you know, how Billy Preston is like the fifth Beatle? That's me with the bandwagon nerds. Come on, man. Get the fuck out of here. Y'all can find me on Twitter at The Real C Platt. I'm all over chair shot. If you listen to damn near any chair shot show, you're probably going to hear these velvet pipes because that's just what it is. Again, make sure I go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Support the movement. Scott Hall, best wishes to you, man. We all praying that you kick out.
2: All right. We will rotate clockwise to the fifth Beatle member of the Bandwagon Nerds, Mrs. A- Mr. Aesop Mitchell.
3: Seriously, yeah. I literally just called myself the <laughs> Fifth Beetle. That's what we're doing now. Fuck you. Like this this, this was my last edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Oh, fuck everybody. Keep, fuck you oh, Come on. Black, you ain't
4: the Fifth Beetle. You're Shemp, dog. Don't even oh, try to play.
2: Damn. Hey, so, oh, damn. I'm like, going to call you Shemp, dog you
4: know, from now on. Shemp, bird. dog. Hey, Shemp, bird. dog. I'll talk to you later. All, I'm
1: right. Not yeah. than uh, that. All right,
3: you can Nobody always cares. quiet down, Chimp Dog. We're trying to finish have. the show. Nobody cares what you have going on, ASAP. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, you, uh, go play. you
4: can always find me on uh, the 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 bandwagon nerds. You know where I'm regularly asked to come on and appear. <laughs> ah, you fucker! Fuck you! <laughs> Also, you can listen to my brother and I talk a whole bunch of nonsense on down the wire every Tuesday on the chairshot.com. Find me on Twitter. Uh, I am uh, at Dave and Cudahy or at Violent ASOP, one of the two. I don't care which one you do. Uh also on uh Facebook, A E S O P Mitchell. There you go. Now uh we'll throw it to Harpo.
5: <laughs>
4: no, no, that's not <laughs>
1: uh, you can follow me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything Chair Shot Radio Network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and right there at the chairshot.com.
2: Excellent. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-S-T. You, oh, I fucking spelled my Twitter handle wrong because I've been drinking. At W R E, Scott, Scott,
1: down into my belly.
2: N G R E A L I S T. You can catch me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. On Monday, you can hear me do Bandwagon Nerds. On Tuesday, you can hear me do Chair Shot Radio. This week with PC Tunney doing a 5 by 5 of the top best and worst Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. And on Wednesdays with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on The Greg DeMarco Show that's gonna do it oh and follow the show at bandwagon nerds participate in our poll vote them up what was the best action movie in the first decade of the 2000s now that's good oh tony's got a figure up Yep.
1: Yeah. expect a five-hour show next week
2: expect a two-hour show next week and or two hours and 10 minutes and counting at this point don't do it don't do it i will mute your microphone sir that is gonna do. <laughs> and now he's sulking. Um, that is gonna do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the sun, but not too long. Get your brackets ready. NCAA tournament time, baby! You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Thechairshot.com.
3: The Always use. Your head.